This is the Land Legacy Podcast, brought to you by Whitetail Properties Real Estate. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your weekly resource for habitat management, wildlife management, and recreational real estate. We hope you guys enjoy the show. Hey, welcome to another Land and Legacy podcast. A little different today. It's uh, I'm Kyle Hedges and got Frank Longcarriage on here. Yep. Hey, Kyle, doing, what's up? Hey, not what much. Else? Yeah, I'm a little crossfire there. I'm doing okay. Doing okay. Got some cold weather here and, you know, been keeping the wood fire going. And, you know, we were out of power this weekend for a little bit. So it was good to have that wood fire, that wood heat stay warm. But, you know, it's a challenge for a lot of things out there with this cold weather. Yeah, that's a little spooky out of power when it's negative temperature and negative 20s wind chill. That's a little spooky. Yeah, we had a little wood cut, so that helped. And um, so it was only out for three hours, so we were we were lucky. But we were putting candles on because it was getting about dark. So we were starting to light candles and, you know, started to live the old way. <laughs> You know, trying to get through it. So, well, you just got back from a little road trip, didn't you? you yeah, yeah, Southwest. yeah. I went, yeah, I went to Arizona, back to kind of our old stomping grounds. Um, you know, and we've talked about this before. This was my son's sort of senior trip. He wanted to go graduating high school. Wanted to go on a trip. Wanted to go to Arizona, and and all the reports were really good. I mean, you and I talked about how, you know, they'd got some winter rains, and and we you know, reports were good. We've done a podcast on this about how to, how to watch the weather and predict a hunt. But the thing about it is, 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 you know, rain can be really spotty. And that's what we ran into in Arizona is overall the reports are really good, but, but the spot that, that you and I, and now my dad have history with and is our, kind of our stomping grounds where we know we have known coveys and, and know the our way around there, they had had very little winter rain. So they were in a drought. And so, um, you know, we were shooting, I think our, our total, our final total was 5.5 juveniles per adult, which is yuck. Right. And uh, you want to see it the other way around. You want to see, you know, five to six ad- juveniles per adult. So we had five adults, 5.5 adults per juvenile. So we were, we were in a situation where, okay, where weather was, where they had spotty rains. We still had a great hunt, but there was a lot more adults in the population, smaller cover, covey sizes, quail were, were wilder and, 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 and more temperamental because there were so many more adults in the population. Um, but all that said, we had a good time. We killed birds. And uh, my son had had fun, so it was a good trip. We got we got in that blizzard on the way back, the one that kind of came through Texas, Oklahoma, and, and hit Kansas pretty hard. So we had to stop short one night, and because they closed the roads on us, literally we had to stop, couldn't go any further. So that was fun and unpredictable, but we had a good trip. We had a good trip. Yeah, that's cool for your son to get to experience some of that you know killing his first gambles quail and some neat stuff experiences you and i have had together now he's getting to have that stuff too so that's, that's yeah pretty awesome 
Oh yeah, he was pretty stoked. He's pretty, he was unprepared for just how unforgiving and how rough that landscape can be and how crazy those birds can be when you see them running a hundred yards ahead of you and you're trying to figure out how in the world are we going to get these birds, but we made it happen. So you had a good time. Well, you know, that, <laughs> that kind of goes in with, with our podcast at some level here. Um, the topic of the day is kind of, you know, what, what do you do when, when things don't go as planned? And in your case, you know, you got down there to the Southwest and, there wasn't a lot of grass and birds weren't holding very well and it made the hunt a lot tougher. But today we kind of want to talk about, you know, what do you do when your deer season isn't, isn't what you had planned? You put those cameras out, say, and maybe you're a guy that runs them all summer. Maybe you put them out in September, yeah. October or whatever. And, and you realize all of a sudden, man, you know, I don't, I don't have any shooters this year. I don't have any mature bucks or whatever you're, criteria is right maybe it's deer over 140 inches maybe it's deer five and a half or older and or you got one of those deer and and you find out it got killed on the neighbor during early archery season or something and um anyway it's a, a pretty common occurrence and it happened a lot here regionally this year it seems like we heard a lot of these stories Southeast Kansas and Southwest Missouri, the same kind of deal. Like, man, my farm just didn't have, just not seeing mature bucks or not seeing, you know, quality um, antler size that I'm looking for. And that seemed to be a theme all across maybe here, the central Midwest. Yeah, it was, it was certainly a theme across our farm. We had cameras up across our farm and, and, um, didn't have any mature bucks and we're not, you know, we've got 80 acres. We don't expect to, to shoot one sixties or one seventies. We're happy with, you know, good mature deer. And we just didn't have them on the farm. Tons of basket racks, you know, tons of spikes, lots of does, you know, the, the typical thing, but you know, usually we'll have one or two mature deer that we can target. And we just didn't happen this year um, throughout running cameras from, you know, August, throughout the hunting season and um i know you saw the same thing on your farm i know matt and adam has talked about it i know regionally people that we talk to in our day jobs saw the same thing i mean you saw it um while working the check station this year too um you know in a place that normally produces some pretty good bucks you were seeing pretty much what we're talking about yeah, I think, you know, it's one of those deals where um, we're, we're not exactly sure. We can't put our finger on it. Got some suspicions we'll talk about here in a minute. But you just kind of, you, you're anticipating from last year, you know, or the last several years, and you've had some good success. And, and we're talking about farms with, with quality habitat, not just, you know, sometimes, yeah, year in and year out, places don't do very well. Maybe a random buck passes through. We're talking about places where people are working at it, and uh, it, and then you wake up one year, you just have a weird hiccup. You know, my farm's been great for several years in a row, had quality bucks on it um, as far as scoring antler size as well as mature age, um, which go hand in hand oftentimes. But um, and then you just wake up and you're kind of like, man, what what happened all of a sudden? And um, I, you know. I was having this conversation with a, a coworker and uh, 
PhD popped up, right? Yeah, we've been in right, a right. year drought. So, well, you know, maybe it's EHD and, and that's probably a, a very good possibility. It tends to kill some older age deer quite often and, and be in this across this whole landscape that, that I've heard these reports, that's quite possible. But his first comment was, well, you know, I didn't find dead deer on my place in August. And yeah. I said, well, yeah, I know this guy quite well. And I said, yeah, but wait a minute. I, I know your farm and it's similar to mine. I have deer on my farm, of course, all summer, but I, I typically get an influx of mature, bigger bucks in September and they stay all through the rut. His farm is the same way. So he's commenting, you know, well, I didn't really find any dead. I wasn't finding, you know, bucks laying around in August. Well, because those four and a half, five and a half year old bucks aren't on his farm in August. They might have died two miles away in August uh, because of EHD. Right. And so then his normal influx of deer that comes in the fall before the rut just never happened. Yeah. Yeah. That could very well be the case. I don't want our farm. We didn't find any, but we don't have much water on our farm. We got one little pond, right? So we're not going to find many EHD deer on our place. But I think that is probably you know, something that, that we need to, to think about is, is these areas that, you know, deer are making these fairly large scale movements between these summering areas and areas where they're rut or where they're passing through. And our farm's a good example. You know, we have, we have quality habitat and we have, we've worked on it, but we, you know, like everything else we send, we tend to see deer moving through during the rut and we just weren't seeing those deer. So I think that um, it's possible that we were, you know, not catching deer that had already died you know the deer had already died um my son he's talking in the background i'll have to put him on mute here in a little bit so he might have heard something but but yeah just what you're talking about these deer that you normally see moving through your farm are not you know not moving through at all because they died before they got there yeah i just you know i tell that story just to say that i mean here's a, a co-worker of mine and i'm not knocking him but not even thinking it through that just because he didn't find dead deer in the summer on his place doesn't mean they didn't die somewhere else. It's quite possible. Um, any HD doesn't exclusively affect older deer by any means, um, but it does tend to affect older deer. It seems like more severely. So certainly if there was a massive EHD outbreak, guy would expect to find some here and there. Um, and so I really can't say that that's what happened this summer. I don't really know. I know I didn't find a bunch of dead deer on my place. My neighbor wasn't talking about it, but it, it certainly could have had a regional effect at some level. Um, so yeah, that's quite you, possible. But, you know, you're right. And it also brings up, you know, we've, you know, we've been in, in two years of drought and I wonder just off the top of my head, is that having some kind of an impact on antler growth where we're, where we're going, especially the large scale habitat is, is, pretty poor if you look at it from a bigger scale from a deer scale it's pretty poor you've got pockets of good habitat and and i know growth you know age and 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 maturity really is what's driving these these older age class deer to put on good antlers but you know nutrition has something to do with it too maybe a small part but it does play a part and maybe a compounding effect over a couple of years is you know has certainly been an issue with because here's the thing, it, it's not, 
it's not just that it's been, oh, my farm sucked or I wasn't seeing the, the deer on my farm. Like you and I said, it was sort of a regional deal. If you're talking about, you know, southeast Kansas to south central Missouri, you know, we have contacts and we cover a big spread during our, you know, during our, our day jobs and just just people that we're, we're close with, you know, and in the hunting community. And it wasn't an isolated thing, right? We, You and I were both seeing it and so were others. So, it, you know, you could have these compounding factors where there's not just one, not just one thing that's, that's impacting the, the, the antler growth. It could be a, a compounding factors. And, and, um, you know, that's something you'll never really figure out. You just chalk it up to, Hey, this season was maybe not what we wanted it to be, you know, but from what I saw, there's a lot of good up and coming deer out there too. So, you know, certainly all is not lost on this, on this at all. Yeah, it's certainly twofold. Um, and this mm -hmm. podcast is going to focus on, you know, kind of salvaging a season if, if you didn't have what you were hoping for. But the second part of that I won't dwell on, but is, hey, the future, the habitat stuff still critical. You can have a hiccup year. But that habitat stuff is so critical because all these up-and-comers, it's going to happen quicker and sooner and faster on your farm if you've got all the suitable habitat, right? Right. But, okay, you get yeah. through this hiccup, but next year's another year, you know. So there, there is a bright future there if you're doing the good quality habitat work and, and things are in place. But, you know, to, to get to the root of the topic here, so so what do you do? and And – Hey, I'm not saying if, if you don't have mature deer or, you know, a 150 plus on your farm, it's a wasted year. Hey, no. some people aren't into that and that's fine. But, yep. but I'm saying a lot of folks are, a lot of our clients are right. That that's right. why they hire us. A lot of listeners. That is the goal is big deer. And so when you wake up one day and realize you're hunting for hopefully a goat you're hunting for a ghost maybe a deer that you haven't seen yeah. on camera that just randomly shows up which happens sometimes um but the reality is man i don't have a hit list here or a very short skinny hit list how do you salvage your season you know what do you, what do you do with that and some yeah. people just punt but i think there's some opportunities to say hey this is the season we're going to do a few few different things on the farm yeah yeah, you know, one of the things that comes that comes to my mind is, you know, I know on our farm and um, we could always harvest more does. And and that's something that we we don't do a great job doing because, you know, we're trying to, you know, wait for that target buck that we've seen on camera that's on the, that's on the list. And we just can't we just, you know, if he's not there, this is a good time of year to be spending it on perhaps harvesting a few more does. This, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. You know, get that doe to buck ratio down to where it needs to be. Harvest a few more does. And that's, you know, there's so many properties. There's very few properties that we go to where that's not something that we recommend. It's like, hey, man, you've got way too many deer. You need to start harvesting does. And it's hard to get people to harvest does a lot of times. It really is, unless you have some kind of earn a buck deal or something like that, that that you, you have to deal with, but I mean, it's hard, you know, I know on opening weekend, you know, we're, we're shy to shoot 
you know, opening weekend of rival season, we're shy to shoot does, even if we've had plenty of chances, because what if that, you know, what if that big one that, that we know is on camera is there, or what if that ghost that we don't know on camera is, is, is coming, you know? And so we've, you know, we're guilty of that, but I think one of the things is, man, spend some time out there getting to know your farm better and maybe harvesting a few more does. That seems to be a great, a great option to me. hundred percent. Yep. That's a, like you say, it's a very common issue we see. And, and that's kind of what I did. I, I realized um, I hunted through the rut. I didn't do it during the rut. I still was hoping the ghost would show up. Right. I was bow hunting yep. the rut yep. and uh, let a lot of deer walk, but, but I ended up filling a couple antlerless tags and antlerless tag. And actually I filled my any deer tag with an old nanny doe, um, Good. you know, the third to the last day of season, I waited till the very end of December and uh, said, all right, I'm going to fill this tag and with another antlerless deer. So um, there's also some opportunities, you know, get some help to do that. Maybe, maybe most years you don't want a bunch of people on your property and, and maybe you're pretty restrictive, but if you decide, hey, it's go time for some doe harvest, you know, drag your niece and nephew out there, your wife or your brother and sister-in-law, whoever, and yeah. say, hey, we're going to kill 10 does. Here we go. And, you know, maybe your state, most states now have a have a late antlerless season or, you know, some type of opportunities to to get out there and do that. And and so you still could, could kind of hunt the ghost and hope it shows up, but if it doesn't, you know, let's, let's make the most of this and say, Hey, I'm going to put some more people on my farm. I'm not worried about scent, scent extra scent being on my farm. I'm just going to fill some doe tags and, and try to get the herd management in better shape. So, yeah. And that's a good way to get people that, you know, buddies that have maybe helped you do some habitat management on your farm or, or people that don't normally have a decent place to deer hunt. You know, they hunt public most of the time and it's tough to get on a good place to hunt. That's that's a good place to take them, you know, where you know you're going to see deer and, and have a really good chance of, of harvesting does. I, I think that's I think that's a good approach. You know, and I, I think about I think about other things that you can do is. Is just continue to just continue to be out there and monitoring, spend spend time in the woods. I know I know that the deer that, that you were after wasn't out there particularly, but you were out there still on your farm. You were maybe not doing hardcore habitat work, but you were spending the time in the woods. You were, you know, maybe learning your deer herd a little bit better, maybe learning movement routes a little bit better, you know, just spending more time on the farm. Don't just punt and say, well, I'm going to stay home and watch football. It's still a good time to be out there and hunt. You know, still, that's still a great time to spend time on your farm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say, you know, my, my second thought, um, number one, being the, the antlerless harvest to, to salvage, kind of salvage your season. I'd say the number two um, is to do the habitat work, you know, just say, just own it and say, look, I don't have shooters or maybe I'm going to hunt during this window um, and hope for that ghost. But when it, you know, th that's not a year to spend 90 days in the tree stand, hoping to, to shoot a ghost. That's, that's probably time better spent, um, running a chainsaw, doing some habitat work to prep yourself for those future years. Um, even if your farm is tricked out, which, you know, we all know there's always work to do, but even if that farm is tricked out, 
there's always plenty of maintenance work to do. But in most cases, every farm we go to is not even close to being at maintenance phase. There's lots of work to do. So, you know, grab that chainsaw, grab the drip torch, be thinking, be planning, um, trying to trying to use that fall as a habitat season. It's okay. Just accept, accept it. Um, it's not the, the dream season and, and I'm going to get a bunch of work done and, and try to maybe, um, you know, move exponentially on this curve of having better deer in the future. Yeah, it'll certainly pay off, you know, and especially in that late season, you know, if you, if you spent your time on the rut and, and you and just like, Hey, this isn't working out. Maybe you've killed a few does. Maybe you've killed more enough does and you're, and you're, you've got to the point where like, Hey, I can't handle any more deer. I can't give any more deer away. I mean, again, we all like to sit on sit in the couch and watch football. I'm very guilty of that, but there's plenty of times when we can be out there doing habitat work. And this is a great time to be looking for those, um, particularly those bedding areas and, and sprucing those bedding areas up and figuring out now where deer are going to be bedding during the hunting season and, and sprucing those bedding areas up. I think that's one, one of the number one things that we can do not only to, to hold deer on our property, but also to help huntability. Prepping fire lines. This is a good time to prep fire lines, you know, so that you'll be ready to go once spring happens. There's plenty of there's plenty of opportunities. And I know that that one of the things that, that you preach that I like is is uh, when you go to your farm, whether you go to hunt, whether you go to, you know, to spend it with your family, your kids, your wife or whatever, you're like, I'm going to run a gas full of chain or get a gas. I'm going to run a, a tank full of gas through my chainsaw, at least one tank. Right. And then we can go and, and mess around, fish, squirrel hunt, do whatever we're going to do. But you you're going over there with a plan. And and that's what we've preached. We've we've talked to pop podcasts on this before don't have idle times when you go to your farm always have a plan and a and a mission to go over there and get something done and i think running a, a tank full of gas through your chainsaw is a, is a good way to go you get knocked that out in 45 minutes you've accomplished something and then heck you know you got the rest of the day to either do it again or or mess around whatever you want to do yeah absolutely there's a, there's <laughs> the work never ends there's always something that needs done on the farm, it seems like. Um, you know, another, when we were talking about this topic, uh, another thought, and it could kind of go hand in hand with habitat and just what you were saying, learning your farm and, and keep hunting and observing, a kind of a salvage your season tactic, um, is do some work, like, especially deer movement. Like, some of the stuff we prescribe is closed-edge feathering, uh, I've used cedar trees to kind of block some stuff off so deer would, would go certain places through timber, right, closer to stands. Man, what a great season to mess with that. Instead of doing that some year and maybe a, maybe a target buck then box at it and, and doesn't want to use that or does something totally unpredicted, you know, you're throwing something new in his environment maybe in September, Man, what a great year to say, hey, these deer keep skirting over here. I'm going to do this or move a stand and I'm going to see how that performs over here. Or I'm going to 
do some closed edge feathering and see if the deer will come out in the corner of this field. I mean, perfect opportunity to mess with that and see, because I tell you what, those old nanny does that are six and a half, seven and a half years old, oh, they're going to tell you if they don't like it. And <laughs> you'll know pretty quick if if that's not going to work or, or in the future. So, Yeah, yeah, that's... <laughs> That's great advice and just try some of those experimenting. And you're right about the the big nanny does. They'll tell you first, you know, if something's not not going to work. But, you know, I, th I think, you know, I think the point that we want to make is, is you've got to have some perspective. And we we talked about this. We, we've talked about this in, in a lot of different things. Now, even in relation to my bird hunt, what I, in my perspective – didn't think it was a stellar hunt. You know, my son thought it was a great time, you know, so we've got to re rethink perspectives. And so, you know, your perspective may be, Hey, this, this year is a wash. It's already late October. I don't have a big buck on camera. What am I going to do? How am I going to salvage the season? It's all about perspective. Think about ways that you can be out there on your farm and, and, and salvage your season. And you may learn more, then when you're out there and the target buck shows up in first week of November and you shoot him and, and you're done, you know, you're probably going to spend more time on your farm. You know, if you're, if you're out there and that target buck doesn't show up, but you hopefully there's a ghost that shows up, you're trying these new strategies, you're trying to, to harvest more does. There's so much more that you can learn by being out there on your farm. And, and I, and I know I'm guilty of it. I don't, I don't know that we spend, enough time on our farms and i know there's time issues and there's you know work gets in the way and, and other other things but the, the more time we can spend on our farm or if it's public that we hunt the more time that we can spend out there and learning that you know the, the better off we're going to be and these are good opportunities to get out there and learn um you know more about your farm and more about how deer move on your farm and and you're probably going to be, you may sit out there and you're more relaxed. You, you may spend more time just watching how deer move. And, um, you know, I, I think oftentimes, you know, we get, especially when there's, there's one big buck that we're going to harvest. We want to harvest. There's one big buck on our hit list. Maybe we don't enjoy it as much as we should. I, I, I see that. I, I, you know, I don't really usually have that problem. We don't have a lot of big deer on our property. We we generally try to shoot, you know, what we think are, are good, mature, representative deer on our farm. But I see a lot of guys on outdoor media or Instagram or whatever. Their, their hunt is a complete bust. Their hunt is a grind. It, this was a terrible year, a tough year because, you know, they didn't harvest their buck that they were were after. But really, is that the perspective of hunting that that we want to have, right? I know we want to we want to kill that deer, but I think a reorientation of perspectives is oftentimes has helped me, you know, turn what I've thought of as a bad hunt and made me think, hey, from other people's perspectives, from other people's points of view, this probably was a darn good hunt, you know. And and there's a lot of thinking that we can do about that. Yeah, no, that's a great thought. Yeah, we're we're kind of spoiled, right? Like we've we've had some pretty good experiences and some pretty good hunts and some pretty good trips, and 
So sometimes we, you and I in particular, we may be in a situation where we're kind of like, dang, this isn't what we hoped for. And then we're like, wow, if people hurt us right now, <laughs> we just had a five covey day and we're mad yeah. because we thought it'd be 10 coveys. If yeah. the public could hear us right now, they'd punch us in the face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I know it. It, it there is a lot of, and, and these tough seasons teach you that perspective, you know, and I think that's, that's important. And, um, you know, it's, it's also, it's one of those things where if you, you, you can take some solace in, Hey, it's not something I did to screw this thing up, you know, especially with the, with the regional situation that we have gotten right now, you know, it's not, you know, spending too much time on a farm and running the deer off or whatever. There's some regional issue that's going on where there's not a lot of, you know, what people would consider trophy sized animals out there. And so it, 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 you know, gives you some comfort there that, Hey, I'm not the only one in the boat there. There's some kind of regional thing. And then what, what can I learn about that? How, how can I learn about my local deer population? Is it a, is it an EHD thing compounded with nutrition? What's going on out there? Now you can learn you can learn about your your population and get into the biology of it, which I think is is cool for everybody to to understand. But you know these these i these these seasons that come along like this are probably good are good for us every now and then. Whether we are a deer hunter or a bird hunter, you know it 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 resets our perspective and it and it cer certainly helps us learn more about it. You know, right? I'm gonna take you know our hunt in arizona which was a little tougher than i expected to, you know to think hey i'm probably we need to expand our zone a little bit so if this part of the state is crapping doesn't get any rain you know we're not just stuck there it, you know that may be you know something else another lesson to learn is you know it, expand your zone a little bit and, and and have alternate places to hunt if, if you can um there's just a lot of lessons to learn on a tough season i think maybe more than a, a slam dunk season yeah well that goes along with one of my next thoughts and, and this is not necessarily a recommendation but this is what some folks choose to do not necessarily have another spot but they change their qualifications for a hit list right so yes the, yeah. This has happened, and I'm not knocking it. Hey, it's your farm. You do whatever you want. And I right. actually, we had an EHD, bad EHD outbreak back in 2012 at my farm in Kansas. And I did this exact thing a few years later. I think 2014 and 15 or 15 and 16, back-to-back -back years. But some people, and I know some, personally know some people did this this year. Man, I just don't have the shooter bucks. You know, here here's the biggest buck on my farm. And they show me a picture, you know, and it's a 128 inch eight point or a 132 10 point. And they shoot it. And that's fine. If, yeah. if that's what you want to do for your farm, you got to ask yourself though, Hey, if that's a three and a half year old 132, do I really want to do this? Do I right. possibly jeopardize next year or two years from now what that deer could be? Right. And if that's, if your answer is yes, I killed the biggest deer on my farm. Good for you. I'm not knocking you at all. And again, right. I've, I have personally done that, but 
Um, this year I was staring at what I'm pretty sure is a three-year-old was upper one thirties, three-year-old. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I said, Nope, not, I don't care if that deer stands under me for 10 minutes. I am not shooting that. I made that choice for my fault. That's not right. everybody's choice. Not saying it is, but do you, do you lower your standards is the, is the question at hand and everybody's got to make that decision for themselves, but understand that that's going to have repercussions. If you do it with one buck, two bucks, however many, if your goal is biggest deer possible, that has repercussions for future years yeah. for your phone. Right, right. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and that's that's a great point, I think, to, for folks to consider that if they're really in this for the long game to grow big, mature bucks, it's, again, it's your choice. We keep stressing that because we want to make sure we stress that. But is it in your best interest just to say that you've killed a buck or killed the biggest buck on your farm just to have that, I don't know, bragging rights is the, is the right thing to say or, or whatever. Is that in the best interest long-term for your goals? And it all goes back to goal setting on your property. And I know that, that setting goals and setting um not only habitat goals, but harvest goals, whatever they may be, you know, you, you may be in a place where you're happy with a two and a half year old or a three and a half year old. But if you've got harvest goals, you know, maybe you just say, okay, look, I'm going to be strict like you were this year and I'm not going to surpass. I'm not going to go back. I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to have discipline. And a lot of that comes back to discipline. And that's where, you know, if you're, where you can fill in that, that space, that empty space of not, of having discipline and not killing that one thirty, three and a half year old by taking out a couple of does and saying, this is, this was my hunt and I'm darn happy with it. Got meat. This is a great hunt. I'll learn more about my farm. I stay disciplined. I see what I've got out there. You're, you're going to, like you said, you're going to face some, some long-term repercussions if you do step back on these preset goals that you have, but if your preset goals say, Hey, you know, you want to take that one thirty, then, you know, go for it. You know, we're, we're not a respecter, you know, you know, we don't, we don't dog anyone for, for those choices that they make. But like you said, you know, choices, when you kill a deer, I mean, that's it, right. He's not going to grow anymore. So, um, just be cognizant and aware of what your long-term goals are. And if it's, if it's to let that deer grow and it's, and you don't kill the buck this year, then, you know, you don't have an Instagram photo of a buck and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, right. We didn't have a tail complete tailgate photo of a, you know, of a bag of quail lined up this year and that's okay. That was fine. We had a good time anyway, you know, so then, you know, our hunt at full Riley is another good example. We had much different expectations than what we came home with, but we had a cool hunt. We, we enjoyed a good time. We killed a quail that was pretty wild. One that we'd never seen before. It was a weird color phase, wild um, blondish looking quail. That's really cool. So, you know, it, it all comes back to perspective, I think. Yep. No, absolutely. Um, one last, uh, one last thought or one last kind of 
option I'm going to throw out, and I'm not. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this. Adam's actually going to have a whole podcast about this, or at least related somewhat to this. But this goes kind of with the habitat manipulation, or you know, experimenting with deer behavior on your farm, and kind of a how to salvage. A, I don't have any shooters. What do I do? Well, protect the up and comers on your farm as best you can. Yeah. And, and that goes back to one that some of that is, you know, previous years of habitat work, making the habitat good to keep those two and a half, three and a half, four and a half, hopefully hanging out on your farm. So they're not right. exposed on the neighbors, but uh, potentially where legal and states that is legal, you know, is there some opportunity with baiting? to feed yep. those deer, to keep those deer, to spend more time on your property. Um, and you could get, you could really get down into, you know, spinner feeders and the timing of that going off to try to get deer to stay on your place certain times of the day more than other times. I mean, this, this could get as deep as you want, but again, Adam's going to have a whole podcast about that, I think in the next few weeks. So, so be looking for that. Um, but Again, there's there's just lots of opportunities. I, I don't I don't consider it ever a failed season. There's plenty of opportunities to salvage your season. And if you're not salvaging it, you're just not trying hard enough. There's there's right. things to do out there. So don't go home and kick the dog and say, ah, it's over, it's a waste, and make the best of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. You know, it's it's um that that's a good point to see, you know, to say that there is never there's never a season you can't salvage with something. There's so many opportunities out there now. We go back, and now I keep going back to the doe harvest, but that is something that needs to critically be done, and there's, the states have provided so many opportunities for folks to do that, and they're begging folks to do that, you know. And um, so take advantage of that. Take advantage of those of that habitat work. Take advantage of, you know, if there's snow on the ground, go for a rabbit hunt. You know that may satisfy your itch to to get out there. Now, something that that you normally wouldn't do. Take it. I mean, great time to do cat, coyote howling and you know bobcat squalling or crow hunting or something that that is outdoor related that gets you out there and that and that you know you're not sitting here in the spring and saying, man, my hunting season sucks. Like, well, think about all the new things you learned. Think about all the cool things you did because you weren't spending all your time targeting a deer that just simply wasn't there and probably wasn't going to be there. Um, get out there and enjoy some of the other things that are, that, that God has blessed us with in terms of things to, to harvest and hunt. And I know you spend a lot of time crappie fishing off the docks. I don't spend as much time as I would like to, but right now our freaking lakes frozen up, but you know, <laughs> when that, that does, you know, I'm going to spend some time doing that, you know, just there, there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of things to do to, to salvage, you know, this time of year that we all cherish and, and, um, you know, ultimately moves by way too quick. I mean, it, it moves by so quick. Our quail season in here in Missouri closed yesterday and you and I did not get to get out at all like we hoped to do. You know, so things go quick. So salvage as much opportunity as you can and, and um, you know, look for these alternatives to to get out there. And if, if your target buck's not there, 
you know, find other things to do. Yep. There's something you can make the best of it. Just find a way, look, look hard enough, find a way, build that habitat for future years, whatever you got to do, but there there's yep. ways to, to make something happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, this is, this has been a good podcast. I think to, to help maybe reorient folks. And I know there's a lot of things coming up. Deer season's wrapping up. Consult season is certainly kicking off. You know, you and I have got some, some consults to go on. You're going here in the first part of February and I'm going on one in March. I'm sure there'll be others that come up in between. So consult season is is really hitting us hard this is a good time to get a hold of us and um uh, inquire about a consult um so we can you know come out and, and help evaluate your property this is always a you know this this is a really good time to do it and um, you can get a hold of um matt at um landandlegacy.tv he can he'll probably be the one that would contact you directly but um this is a good where we all we're you and i know are very much for, looking forward to consult season like we always do yep absolutely and then that's turkey season and then it's turkey season yeah <laughs> oh my gosh it all just keeps rolling up on each other it does it does and then you gotta you know and that's a whole ball of wax on its own it could be it could be a moment of glory or it can be three weeks of just pounding your head in the sand you know just <laughs> depend on what's going out there i love it not quite as much as bird hunting but i love it but man um it can be a frustrating time but i am looking forward to it though but again i don't want to rush it got plenty of things to do before it gets here well, thanks Frank for coming on with me and thanks everybody for listening. I hope it was useful to you and I hope I hope most of you didn't have to salvage your season this year. Yeah, right. Yeah, I hope so. Maybe did and those that have in the past just maybe keep some things in mind and maybe next time you're playing season doesn't go as planned, maybe you can find some some alternatives and and make the best of it. Yeah, and let us know if this is more than a regional thing, you know, folks, you know, for us, you know, we, you know, we don't talk to a lot of people nationwide, but is this, is this a regional thing? I, I tend to think it's more than a regional thing, really. I've heard, I've heard this from, from, from a wide range of folks. So it'd be interesting to know if, if this lack of, of quality deer on the landscape is a regional thing, or if it's just something that was going through the deer herd as, as a whole, you know, I'm sure there's pockets, people killing big deer. I see it all the time, but in general, I know it's, it'd be interesting to know what, what's going on out there. So, yeah. Seemed like a tougher season overall. We had yeah. some great client success around the, the country, got some great photos sent to us and that, and that's awesome. But yep. yeah, certainly there was some struggles as well. Yeah. All right. Well, yep. until next time. Yep. Take care. See you, Kyle. Thanks. See you. Yep.